So what's changed this year? Well, with football, a lot. With hoops, not so much. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Hulkin, and thank you for making Locked on USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching on YouTube or wherever you're downloading your podcast, we are free. I appreciate your support, and I just want to say thank you so much. If you are watching on YouTube and you haven't become a subscriber yet, it's really easy. It's really easy. It's free. Much easier than uh, me saying it. Just click that subscribe button. And if you like the episode, you can also hit that like button. Both will mean a whole heck of a lot. And to those of you who have already become a subscriber, thank you. This episode of Locked on USC is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sportsbook of Locked on. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com. So I'm not sure the USC football coaching staff even knows everyone by their face yet i mean since lincoln riley has arrived back in 2021 uh, he's turned over the roster by over 60 plus players and he's done that since december of 2021 and you put all that together usc's gone through their first three days of spring camp and he's already sending the guys out on vacation. And you know, they'll return for 12 more practices, uh, starting on the 21st, I believe. And then the spring game is on April 15th. Uh, excuse me. <clears throat> so they go from, I mean, this is, this is kind of change. This is different from how Lincoln Riley did it last year. And I know I've talked about it a little bit, but it, I keep coming back to this. I'm thinking there's a lot of change going on this year, and maybe he shouldn't be deviating from what was successful last year. <clears throat> so they're going from live tackling after three days of spring camp to vacay, vacation. And then when they come back, you know, and on just under two weeks, uh, they're going to need a, another short acclimation period before they can put the pads on again and, and start tackling. So is Riley really that confident after being able to turn around a 4-8 and eight team and take him to 11-3, knowing that there's a lot of work that needs to be done on defense and um, yeah, almost a brand new offensive line protecting his star Heisman-winning quarterback, the best player in the country, Caleb Williams. Lincoln said, uh, you have a sense that we're building upon something new as opposed to just starting something. We're way more advanced in every sense of the word than we were at this time last year, but the standards are also higher too. Okay. Now, from a locker room, from a culture cultural standpoint, I agree. But, as I mentioned, with so much in flux, particularly the offensive line, I also disagree. Uh, 
you know, the, the O-line is it's going to be interesting to see how this develops. Josh Henson, the offensive line coach, said at Wednesday's practice that, you know, he sees Jared Kingston, one of the new transfer portal guys, playing inside at the next level in the NFL. Okay, if, if that's the case, is Kingston going to be playing inside at USC for a year or is he going to be playing tackle? I mean, having him cross-train during spring camp is fine, you know, especially if he's needed to make that, you know, that adjustment uh, come fall. We saw that happen last year um, when injuries started to, you know, creep in in the offensive line room. So keeping in mind that uh, Justin Dietrich is going to be at center full-time and Jonah Monheim is going to be, I'm going to be 97.9% confident <laughs> that he's going to be the starting right guard. Uh, and the other transfer portal that's in spring camp right now, Michael Tarquin, who is a tackle, um, is going to be playing right tackle, even though he is seeing a little, he saw a little bit of time at left tackle so far in spring camp. The other transfer who isn't with the team right now is Ethan White. He's an interior lineman. So, um, Cortland Ford, Mason Murphy, and I'm even going to throw a wild card in there. Freshman, Elijah Page. Uh, these guys are pretty much strictly offensive tackles. At least that's where they played um, at USC and in Page's case at in high school. I think that's where he's um, training in spring as well. But this also caught my attention um, after Wednesday's practice. Jonah, Justin, as well as the two new guys who are in spring camp, they met and spoke with the media. However, Cortland Ford and Mason Murphy did not. And these are two guys who seem to be, at least from a perception point of view, uh, those are their those are the two guys whose positions are being targeted. Uh, that at least, you know, I guess everybody's questioning, are these, are they going to be able to step up and as incumbents and hold on to uh, the tackle spots? We know Mason played on both sides. Uh, Cortland has strictly been at left tackle. And after Wednesday's practice, Josh Henson also said that anytime the, the Trojans, you know, go to the portal for an offensive line help, uh, they're looking for players who can come in and help right away. So um, Kingston, we know he started 20, 26 games at Washington State. Uh, Tarquin started 10 and uh, at Florida, and he played in a, in a handful of others, uh, at least another 20-plus, 24 games, I believe. So is the team really that much more advanced than last year? Look, I under, like I said, I understand the Caleb Williams factor and you know, the staff has definitely more settled in after, you know, having been in L.A. For, for a year now. But still, knowing, you know, going back to what Lincoln Riley said, knowing that the standards are higher, um, I'm thinking maybe keeping the team together would have been the better way to go. 
it you know that's what you did last year it turned into 11 wins we know where the issues were on the team so i don't know in my opinion keeping the team together not giving them this 12 day break it would have been better to keep the team as more advanced than they were at this point last year um you know especially with the o-line so uh this show is going to be all about that wasn't wasn't really a rant but i'm going to kind of ramp myself up if you're uh if you know i'm a hoops fan you'll see hoops played tonight first round pactol tournament we're going to get to that momentarily but first we're going to talk about uh i want you to I want to talk to you about FanDuel because we are, look, we're at the, not quite the midway point of spring camp, even though they are taking a break, but we are at the midway point of the NBA season. It's here and now is the perfect time for you to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers, you're going to get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's a bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, it's secure, and it's super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to the point scores. Who's going to make the most threes? If you love prop bets, FanDuel, you're, you're going to love FanDuel. And with FanDuel, it also lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com forward slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com forward slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right. What time of the show is it? It's time for me to say thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every single day. We come at you five days a week. So not quite every day. Almost. I want to make sure you're checking out our brand new podcast, Locked on College Basketball. You need to go check it out. I'm sure there's going to be some words there talking about the USC-Arizona State game. Everything you need to know about college basketball, it's all in one place. Plus, you're going to hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So USC took on Arizona State in the quarterfinal round of the Pac-12 tournament. They're looking to beat ASU for the third time in the same season. Well, that didn't happen. Going into the Pac-12 tournament, USC, everyone felt USC had secured an NCAA berth. Um, and they were really just kind of looking to improve their seeding, try and jump from that 10th seed where 
they're, they're kind of at right now. I've seen them as high as a 9, 8. Um, I don't know. ASU, they're playing a team that was one of the, that was considered one of the four, first four teams out, and they really needed the win. They got the win. I mean, the pressure was on ASU more than USC, and you would think that USC would come out loose, play like it. Hey, you know what? We've beaten these guys twice. We know what it's all about. Let's just go out there, play defense, get the job done, advance to the second round, and get a chance at playing Arizona. Well, Arizona State, who coming into the game, I think they are number 11 in the conference as far as three-point shooting. Uh, Not good. Well, of course, they're playing USC. Most teams who don't shoot the three-ball well when they play USC figure out a way to shoot the three-ball well. By the time the first media timeout came around, which is right after, right under the 15-minute mark. ASU was already three for four from from deep, and they led 15 to seven. I think they had a 10 nothing lead to start the game. <laughs> uh, but like I said, USC plays great defense, but whenever a team needs to get hot, shoot well, especially from downtown, that team always gets well against USC. And it happened. Arizona State, just last week, they were 6-for-23 against USC in Los Angeles. At halftime, ASU led USC 39-25, to and they were just under 50%, 8-for-17 from behind the three-point line. <clears throat> now, I'm going to be a little bit fair here. Drew Peterson's back is still an issue. Uh, you can watch him play. All of his shots were short. He had no lift whatsoever. Uh, I'm going to get to that shortly. I'm really doing my best to uh, keep my my uh, anger under my hat because I'm pretty livid right now. Um, big man, Vince Uwachuku, he wasn't available. So that meant... Watching the game, you saw it. It was going to be all Boogie Ellis. They needed him to be the score that he was. And in the first half, he was 11 points. He was doing everything he can. And what's so interesting about this USC team, you know, they're considered one of the bigger teams in the country. You hear that all the time. But they're still, they're a terrible rebounding team. And I see that all the time. And so even when they got a rebound, you know, like tonight against Arizona State, they would give it up. They, It's like they were loose with the ball. They would turn it over. So, man, I'm just going to bring it The Trojans were four for 17 as a shooting, from the, as a team, from two-point range. And that was with, with just under three minutes to go before halftime. And they were three for 10 for a three-point range. Boogie had 11 points. <laughs> um, he, but he was struggling. I mean, he was three for seven from the field. And again, despite Drew Peterson being less than 100%, he played every single minute of the first half. 
your return on that investment, Andy Enfield, one for seven from the field and four rebounds. In the second half of the game, it wasn't a whole lot different. By the first media timeout, USC had cut into the lead by one point, and they only trailed 47 to 34. And ASU, they were still shooting the three ball like Steph Curry. USC was still shooting the ball as a team like Kwame Brown. It was, it was ugly. It was horrible. And it seemed like the number nine was was the was the bar, was the threshold. Every time USC cut into the lead, they cut into the lead down to double from double digits down to nine, I think four times. And each single time Arizona State answered um, with a bucket. The first time it was with a three-pointer, and that was right in Boogie's face. He was playing good defense. The next time they got an offensive rebound and they got an e- and a layup. And then with ASU up by 12, and I think it was just under nine minutes to play, uh, they started to show why uh, their school has a certain IQ reputation. Uh, Arizona State isn't known for their academics. Just put it out there. There was a joke when I was growing up, they were known as 13th grade. So moving on. Uh, at this point in the game, USC's down 12, just nine minutes to go in the game. Reese Dixon Waters takes the ball to the hole, slam dunk. But while he's slamming the ball, he literally got slammed in the face. So perfect opportunity for USC to get into the game. Cut deeper into that lead. So you're, they're going to get two free throws and the ball because it's a flagrant one foul. Reese Dixon Waters, he's one of the best free throw shooters in the conference, 80% plus. He only makes one of the two free throws. And then when USC got the ball, trailing by nine again, USC turns the ball over and ASU makes another three-pointer, 12-point lead again. Eventually, for at least for me, the, the dagger came when, in the game, came when ASU hit their 14th three-pointer of the game. And they took a 66 to 50 lead with six and a half minutes to play. Uh, this is where, you know, I mentioned that a lot has changed with USC football. Well, nothing has changed with USC hoops. They tease you. And this is why they have such a hard time getting fans to back the program on a consistent basis. Uh, with under two minutes to go, USC is now down seven points. Reese Dixon Waters is at the free throw line. Again, he's an 80% free throw shooter. He missed both. And that was the third of the game. So... Basically, from that point forward, it was garbage time and final score. Again, Arizona State 77, USC 70. (sighs) Look, USC knew that Arizona was waiting for them. Well, they're waiting for the winner of the game. (laughs) Um, And Arizona also remembers the last three-point shot 
the Sun Devils made against them. We're going to see if ASU's hot three-point shooting carries over because they're going to be playing Arizona in the semifinals. Which I guess, you know, I don't know. Is USC still securely in the tournament? We'll find out on Selection Sunday. I do know that USC does not match up well against Arizona. So losing to them three times would have sucked. Although I would have liked the opportunity to see that happen. Um, the problem is, Arizona's too big and strong inside for USC. Josh Morgan, inconsistent. Uh, Vince Uachuko, unavailable. And now, all of a sudden, if ASU was on the bubble, USC is, they might have joined them. So, my rant is just kind of getting switched on right now. But first, I'm going to build up to it. And I want to talk to you about Built Bar, because if you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. Because if you want to eat something that tastes good, but you're like me, and you, you don't want to sacrifice taste, then uh, you got to try Built. Because with Built, healthy is actually tasty. They're, they're so good, but they kind of taste like a candy bar and they're good for you and what makes built bar so good well for starters they're made with 100 real chocolate remember if you're one of those people who doesn't like chocolate i appreciate you watching the show but we probably couldn't be friends in real life i'm kidding i can see past that but these built bars they do come in some really good delicious flavors like churro peanut butter brownie and coconut almond and I'm not sure how Built does it, but these, like I said, these bars taste like a candy bar. And they do it by ma while maintaining their macros. You're only going to get 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't even have to wait around. You don't have to go online and order them. You can go into your local Sam's Club, or if you're near Walmart, run on in. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section, grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-box bar of their cookies and cream or their double chocolate or their coconut puffs. And if you're near Sam's Club, run in, grab a 13-bar box. They have their hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. Let me know what you think. Thank me later. All right, my rant is on. USC hoops, men's hoops. They literally had the chance to live in the spotlight for the next couple of weeks. Spring camp is on hiatus. Not happy about that. I know the fans aren't either. And every time USC hoops, the men's hoops, they have a chance to, to take over. The light's shining on them. See that in the background there? They turn the ball over. It's like nothing ever changes with the program from year to year. And I'm, look, here's what I'm going to rant about. <coughs> Andy Enfield, <clears throat> it was pretty obvious in the last couple of games, and it was really obvious in this Pac-12 tournament game that Drew Peterson was not 100%. So why did you leave him in the game? You know, he was two for 12 from the field, 
He couldn't play defense. Not that he wasn't putting forth the effort, but he physically wasn't capable. So you're you're literally you're putting your team out there playing four and five. And look, I understand who what Drew brings, senior leader, captain. But you can't leave it up to the player to decide who should be on the floor. The head coach has to make the tough call. One of the assistants, Chris Capco, Coach Jay, Coach Mobley. You might need to lean in and say, hey, Coach, Andy, we, we, we can't run with Drew tonight. He's not, he's not giving us anything. We know he's trying. He's just not capable. So, again, it's the coach has to make this tough call. And look, Andy Anfield knows, has earned the right to make his own decisions. He knows he is a much better basketball coach than I ever was in my year of doing it at the high school level. Uh, however, I will say this. Um, like I said, Andy gets paid the big bucks. He gets to make the decision. But if USC does miss the tournament, I'm wondering if he's going to reflect back on this game. You know, we I, I look, I get it. Injuries have played a role. Uh, but the way infield kind of leaned into to Drew and relied on him, it's it's showing the other players on your team, and I get they're younger, they might not have the experience you're looking for in tournament. You're telling them, hey, I, I can't trust you to play. And I'm going to go with a guy who is, you know, less than 100%. Now, when he does make his substitutions, um, you know, it, it was great to see Malik Thomas play. I mean, I've questioned the rotation at times. He puts him in and then... But it, tonight when he used them, it's almost like he only used them to give a couple of guys breathers. So, again, for me, the perception is it shows a lack of confidence. And whether or not Malik deserves to be on the floor or not, when you're when other guys you're using aren't scoring and they're not helping other guys score, you got you to gotta go down the bench. Got to find that combination out there to make something happen. Like, you know, I'll use Josh Morgan as an example. Uh, guy puts forth the effort most of the time. I, I know he's frustrating to watch, uh, especially when he's having those Houdini type of games, which he had another one where he disappeared tonight against Arizona State. I should say he disappeared Thursday night, depending on when you're watching this episode of Locked on USC. So, in the tournament game, you know, it's you, you don't have a lot of you. You know, it's one and done. <laughs> you got to win or you're done. So, if Josh isn't having a strong game, when don't put Harrison Horner in for a minute. Give him a good five minute stretch. Ride him and Kajani right. This is the future. These guys are young players. You're going to count on them next year, right? Let them play under pressure. I don't know. 
this game just felt like look i admit usc probably wasn't going to wasn't going to match up well against arizona nevertheless this game this isn't a team arizona state's not a team usc should be losing to i get it injuries were there but it just seems that usc always comes up short when they shouldn't and you know, Enfield's been with the program now for 10 years. He recruits great. The program has never been on a better high. As far as wins go, they are in their halcyon years. It USC basketball has never experienced an era like this when you're looking at wins, getting to the NCAA tournament consecutive years. Hopefully we're still going this year. Hopefully they're still going this year, I should say. Um, but it's these types of losses. And then you you wonder, you know, when is USC going to get over the hump? You can't always say, well, you know, players were injured and, and these, these things factored in. When USC is in under it plays in pressure situations, they don't respond well. And sometimes you have to look at is it the coaching style? When you watch Andy Infield and he's when he's getting after it, after the team, after the refs, you wonder. Is the team feeding off of that type of energy? Something to consider. So there's my rant. It was a controlled rant. Not calling for anybody's to be firing. Not I'm not calling for any infield to be fired. Not even coming close to making that proclamation. What I am saying is I need to see growth from his teams. And I just don't see that from what happens at the beginning of the year to the end of the year. That's what I don't see. Yeah, you can say, well, they got to the Elite Eight a couple of years ago and they're they're winning 20-plus games every year. That's got to be growth, right? For the program, it is. But has the program taken the next step? I don't think I can make that. I don't, I don't think anybody can say yes. Recruiting, yes. They're bringing in the players. We'll see, I guess, what happens next year. You've got the number one player coming in, Isaiah Collier. I'm assuming Vince Uachuku is coming back, NBA caliber player. you got this whole roster coming back without Boogie and without Drew Peterson. Let's see how far they can go in the postseason this year before we start looking ahead. All right, that's the end of another episode of Locked on USC. I know that might have been a little bit more basketball than some of you wanted to hear about. Well, guess what? Spring football is on hiatus. I will come back next week with more football for you. I promise. So, there you go. Until another episode of Locked on USC. Thanks again for making us, Locked on USC, your first episode, your first listen every day. I'm sorry, it's late trying to get this done, get it in and go to bed. I will talk to you next week, everyone.